Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Flyers avoid another 10-game losing streak. It's a winning season suddenly. Let's all celebrate. Claude Giroux sets a record for one of the fastest goals in Flyers history. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 106 of Orange and Back Check. Glad you are here as always. Uh, I mean, what can I say? We avoided another 10-game losing streak. It was only six this time, so thankfully we're uh, on the winning column. I guess you could say, uh, and a guy across from me, as always, who is probably ready to buy playoff tickets now, Scott Weinhardt. What's going on, brother? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to put my deposit on the playoff ticket for 2029 the next time they get there. <laughs> same... <laughs> Careful with your coffee there. I don't want you to spit oh, wow. across the room. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? It's actually, but when I, that, that was actually a nice win to watch yesterday. It was actually yes. nice at the end of it to see them not blow. It actually felt a little good to be like, wow, like I missed that. Like I kind of really did. I'm not going to lie. But uh, overall, you know, where we're at in the season, there's a lot more fun things to talk about than the Flyers right now. Yeah. And but like, let's to your point about it's the crowd was certainly into it last night, yesterday afternoon. I mean. You got the goal 11 seconds in by Claude Giroux, which now ties him for eighth all time, tied with Eric Lindros of all people. Um, so I imagine he's going to cross him for to hold possession of eighth all time by himself by the time, whether he's traded or not. I, I like it is it's starting to seep into my mind. And really, ever since we did the episode last week, breaking down his press conference, the more I thought about it, I think there's a part of me that's like, it's not the majority, it's maybe 15% a 15% chance I think that Claude stays and it completely revamps how the offseason is approached but we, we can get into that in a little bit um it was nice that the, like you said the fly the fans were a hundred percent in and I think they were a little bit motivated not just by playing a team like the Capitals who are a fighting for a playoff spot right now but also just the fact that you wanted to drown out the the fans from Washington or wherever they were from uh you wanted to drown them out and you were able to drown them out pretty quickly. Uh, and it was just, it's just nice to see. Cause it goes to the point where if you're playing competitive hockey, the fan base is going to get behind you. Yeah. Right. You probably would have lost them uh, right then. And there is if you said they gave up that a, a tying goal in the six on five in the last two minutes or so, but it, it was just a good fun hockey game to watch. I don't, I think everyone walked away entertained and that's, that's what really what matters. Yeah, again, like, you know, overall, like the Capitals, I don't think yesterday they played up to where they're at. They have not played well since the turn of the calendar year. They've been kind of up and down. I think part yep. of it's the 
Peter Laviolette effect. They also were missing TJ Oshie for some time and went through some injuries and COVID issues and stuff. So despite the fact that he's on the back end of his career, he's still a very, very valuable player to them. Ovechkin didn't quite look like himself yesterday for whatever reason, still hammered to the net, but they, they were blocking shots. I think, I, 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 I think the, the answer is obvious on why Ovechkin wasn't well, feeling himself. Yeah, I, exactly. I think, I, I think like not to get political, I think it's just, it, that's obvious, obviously weighing on his mind and he has to tread carefully. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you saw what happened with, um, Oh man, I'm blanking on his name. Someone vo- voiced their opinion and was very anti-Putin. And then the next day he was accused of sexual assault from 10 years ago. Or, or Timmy Panarin. Or Timmy Panarin. Panera. Thank it happened, you. happened last season. It happened yes. last year. I can't, yeah. cannot, and he voiced and he had to take his he had to take time off from the team yes. to get that handled. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. it like it was no one bought it. It was it was very, it was a very weird scenario. So if you're a guy like Alexander Ovechkin. What he said, like he's just praying for no war and all that, like that's all he can say. Because if he yeah. goes a step further, he's winding up exactly like Panera, and it's like, holy crap, what he, what's going on? And it's it just, it's not, it's not good. Well, if you're, we're, we're gonna dive into that for a moment. The the one of the things you can do if you go on Twitter is follow a guy named Slava Malabud. Mm-hmm. So Slava is a, a used to be a um, he he's not anymore, but he used to cover a lot of hockey in uh, back a couple of years ago for. Uh, like around the capitals he's from that area he's from very from virginia he was born in uh russia um and what's it called was around for the chernobyl situation he became like really really popular um people became notice of what he did he was doing this years before then but when the chernobyl series came out he really explained what it was like to live there and stuff but i've been following slava for years and he would do a lot of russian interviews with russian players especially ovechkin he's ovechkin's very pro Putin. He's one of his buddies. He came to his wedding. He's been tight with him throughout the years. So um, he's he's in a very precarious situation. So I can understand if his play is dropping off because this is going to be problematic for a while here. And, and just then I'll sum it up with saying like this is that you're right. Like, you know, with something like that going on, weighing on your mind, regardless, you know, being on the ice might not be enough to take that away. So I, I can understand why Ovechkin didn't look like quite himself the past couple of games with all this stuff going on. But you know, hopefully, you know, we don't want any war, no war, please. And, you know, stand for Ukraine. And hopefully those people are able to defend everything they can against, you know, what's coming at them. So, yeah, I, I really I, no, I, I think that's exactly why the, the what to your point about Ovechkin looking sluggish yesterday. I think it's very yeah. obvious. Yeah. It's not just the fact that we're in the middle of the season and you, you kind of see this in playoff teams around this time of year. It feels like they get little tired they're like i'm on game 53 of 180 or one i'm on game 53 of 82 i just want to get to days yeah i just want days yeah you just want to get to the playoffs you maybe kick it back into gear game 66 or 67 but like right these next 10 games for a team like that can really hurt them i mean oh yeah all of a sudden you're now on the outside looking in a playoff spot for a couple of days then you got to put ramp up the pressure and that that's how it just kind of kind of goes around this time of year and that's what that's what uh added that in with what Ovechkin's going through it's not easy that's for sure and there's two parts of this as well as far as like where the why where the capitals are part of it is that they they are actually a really they're 10 games over 500 essentially like they're pretty 
you know, their their winning percentage is 602. Mm-hmm. So they're winning 60% of their games. But the fact that they're right now, as of today, yesterday they were first wild card, but Boston won last night. So they're point behind in their second wild card. They're 10 points up on Columbus, which is a really good pad at this time of year. Um, but if they don't start winning games, they'll start, that'll start closing very quickly. But it's also, let's be, excuse me, let's be honest. It's also the Peter Laviolette effect. I mean, Laviolette does not have his teams a long time before they start to burn out a little bit. So we saw that here in Philadelphia after the, uh, after the 12, 13 season and the 13, 14 season where he was fired three games in, you know, Peter Laviolette has a short, has a short um, shelf life on a bench. And I think that right now with a veteran team with doesn't have all the pieces in place, you're starting to see that. And that's under disrespect to Peter Laviolette. That's just, if you look at the course of his career, you know, they'll have his teams where they'll take off to play really well like they did last year. And then they just kind of progressively go down and down and down and down and down for whatever reason, they just, they can't rebound. And it's been like that after January one. So if this team does not wrap it up around playoff time, you know, they're, they're going to be having another first round exit again. Yeah. And, 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 and stick, what you really also saw and you really, we've seen it really this entire home. I would say this entire home game stand, the first four games here, uh, and a little bit before that, I mean, this team is re- the Flyers have really started to buy into Mike Yo's system. Yep. You're seeing them get crisper uh, outlet passes, uh, spring trying to spring players to get chances. I mean, uh, I think it was Lawton that had an excellent chance a couple of nights ago, um, and it was just denied. But like. This team seems to be buying into Mike Yo's system despite nearly two 10 game losing streaks strictly under Mike Yo. Obviously you almost dealt with three, um, but you're dealing with one full one and then a six game losing streak that you finally ended yesterday afternoon. Like I asked this on the pregame show of, of on orange back check on our, on our Twitter page or on our Twitter space. Is there a world that Mike Yo doesn't have a role here in, in Philadelphia? What I mean is, whether it's you alluded to him being an assistant under the new regime, or I, I, the more I look at this, and especially now that they've ended this 10 game losing streak and I, or six game losing streak, there's a world I see, especially because he's familiar with them. Fletcher just says, I'm taking the interim tag off and just going from there. Oh boy. I don't know about that. I, I, I in the off season, but, in the off season, you're not doing it right now. Yeah, like I I think Mike Yo is a good coach. I think they're buying in. I like what Mike Yo says in his in his press conferences. Of he's he's blunt. He's straight. He's very transparent. Yes, I don't think that. Here's two parts, and of course, the hockey outside is not going to look at it from the fans' point of view. Of course. However, I think that from an organizational standpoint, is that I think they 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 need a clean slate, and if they go with Mike Yo as head coach, it's not going to be the clean slate people are looking for. People are going to be like, oh, here we go again, blah, blah, blah. I think that Mike Yo be better served as an assistant on this team because you can see that they the team has bought into them. They are playing a lot better hockey. And and this is without Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes. Yep. They're playing well. And Ryan playing, Ellis. Yes, and, and they're playing well against good teams. So it tells me that he's got them playing to the best of their ability and he's getting putting guys in the best position they can to be successful. That's exactly what you want out of a coach. But I just don't know if that over an 82-game season, if, you know, and in playoffs, if you get back to them, 
if that's going to be the right move for the organization. I think they really need to sit back and evaluate before everything. Is there a chance? Absolutely, there's a chance. Would I think it's the best opportunity they have to move forward? No, I think they need another voice from the outside to come in and work on the development side of things for some of these players. I think that that's important. I mean, TK basically had a wide open net and got stoned yesterday. And again, it's like, it's a player like that, that I'd be concerned about a guy who has an immense amount of talent, but his confidence isn't quite there and you can't get him going. And he hasn't been going for a while. Um, that's where I look at this and say, I, I like, yo, I like what he's done with the team so far. I just don't think that as the, the head guy behind the bench, that's a fit. Now, if he was an assistant or something, I think it's absolutely fantastic because defensively overall, they've gotten better this year. Um, and that's was, was mainly his responsibility. So I would be okay with that. I would be okay keeping him around, but I don't think as the head guy, I think you need, I think you need another voice outside to come out. So like, if you're, if you're a guy like Mike, yo, you're obviously just trying to get these players to the best of their ability because of that idea. Like, well, if I'm not going to be here, someone is so, like the flyers aren't going to be the only team that fires their head coach this year. That's for certain. Right. Like that's the, or is looking for a head coach. I should say, cause obviously they fired Mike Yo or um, Elaine Vigneault already. Like it's one of those things where if you're Mike Yo, you're just playing for that next job. Like he probably does have that mindset of, well, I don't know if I'm going to be the guy here. Cause it seems like the core, the, it, whether it's my fault or not, the, the organization is so rotten that they have to get rid of me and everyone in addition to whatever, whoever is above them. Uh, I don't think Fletcher's going anywhere. Dave Scott is obviously not going anywhere. Valerie Camilla is obviously not going anywhere. And that's uh, really, that's really what the problem is. I don't, I don't know about that. Considering the comments that from Dave Scott's con- about press conference a few weeks ago, naming people like Valerie Camillo in that press conference, like specifically naming people out. I don't know. I man. agree, but it, it is always a little concerning when the, when the marketing manager, whatever his official title is CEO, whatever uh, in Dave Scott is naming people directly. Um, but at the same time, yesterday was obviously the flyers charities game where they announced the donation of $400,000 to the Ed Snyder youth foundation and, and for, to build some ice uh, rinks up in, the Kensington section of Philadelphia, they per- played a promotional video for the that in the in the middle of the game yesterday. And Valerie was a part of that, talking about it. Dave Scott was a part of it, obviously, um, and what it means to be part of the Ed Snyder Youth Foundation and all that. So I, 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 I get what you're saying, but if we're at this point in the season and Valerie's making an appearance in a, in a video like that, I tend to think, believe that like she's going to be around for the next at least season. I, 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 again, I'm not going to, this is, I'm not going to say that her job is secure because it's not no in sports. Nothing is secure. I mean, right. right. Look how fast they got rid of Mike Richards and Jeff Carter back in the day. No one was expecting that. Everyone was shocked by that, 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 that move. So nobody is safe in, in the world of sports, sports, especially people in, in front office positions. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. Listen, I don't know. I don't know Valerie DiCamillo personally. I don't, um, you know, and I have nothing against her personally. I just don't think from an expectation of when you come out and you name somebody like that in a press conference that most people don't know who that is. Um, I, I just, I don't know if that's something where it, she may or may not. Listen, it's just, it's speculation. Like you don't yeah. want to sit here and speculate about someone's job, but at the end of the day, it's someone's job. You're right. Nothing's secure in sports and, you know, 
the only thing that we're guaranteed to life is death and pay taxes. So I mean, <laughs> that's really that's all there is. Uh, even and some people, it's not even the taxes part. So I would say that I don't know if that would be the case or not. But I would say this: I think it is stand up of them to be able to do if, donate that amount of money to go build a street hockey rink to kids who are able to get on the ice to go out there because hockey, you can build and have a great, great, like they have like street hockey leagues and stuff, which is really popular and kids who, who can't ice skate, but they can run around and have fun with it. You know, I think it's absolutely incredible that the organization would do something like this. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons of why the, the community in the city really bonds to the team when it's a fully functioning team. Right. <laughs> We're obviously right. not getting that this year and we haven't gotten it for quite some time. It feels like, uh, outside of what the bubble was and that that whole playoff run, whatever if you want to call it a playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the team is good, the city buys into it. Like right. like I said yesterday, there's an opportunity here for the Philadelphia Union who who only they taught they had a draw in their first game. They or they tied one one at home in their game yesterday that was on at the same time as yesterday's Capitals game. So there's an opportunity where they're going to be good. And people that are desperate, not just for hockey, because it's not just hockey's fault in bring, in terms of uh, the Flyers being a bad product on the ice, but the MLB lockout th- uh, scenario where they're going to possibly delay games and be late into the season. There's an opportunity. There's a very, very small cracked window that's going to get wider and wider the deeper we go into this, into this, especially with uh, the Flyers not being exciting and baseball still in, in, in question marks. The union could become the fourth or third best team in the, in the city. And the flyers really have nothing they can do other than maybe sign someone in a big name in, in, and try and get excitement out of it. But there's no big name outside of Johnny hockey, Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah. He's not enough. Tomas hurdle there, there, but he's not enough either. Like it's not, and I, you know, I've said it a million times in this. Like, I go back and I look at that hard trade. An NBA player just basically get to go where they want to go, and they have the control of that. And the NHL really needs to do that. Like, I think yeah, but they can be, until they read. They have to do the CBA. Yeah, yeah they have to, to get the CBA to be more, more and more player friendly as they go yeah. along. Yeah, like I that's think. that's not that took decades for yeah. the NBA to get to this point. That's the difference. And you know what the killer is yesterday? Like, for instance, like yesterday, like because the teams, they don't have enough players maybe to get people fully interested. When you're good, you're good for a while, and that's the way it is. But it, it it's crazy how, like, yesterday there was a stadium series game, and it yeah. was one of the most least marketed things ever, and nobody was going to watch it anyway because you know why? The stadium series was Nashville and Tampa Bay. Who wants to yep. watch that? Like, Nobody sorry, like, that's my point. Like, oh, the defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, I don't care. They're in Florida. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, Nashville. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about Nashville. You know Forsberg. Like, yeah. And you don't even know Forsberg because it's Philip Forsberg. You think it's Peter Forsberg. Peter Forsberg, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the, that's the problem. And, I, I like, I, I'm pretty sure Forsberg is, like, the Smith last name in America for Sweden. I think that's, <laughs> I think, I think that's what it is there. There's a lot of Forsbergs up in Sweden from what I can, can uh, conclude. Like that's right. one of those things where you hear Forsberg and you're like, Oh, well, I know a guy named Forsberg. Forsberg He's yeah. not playing hockey. Is he? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> so you get very confused, but yeah, yeah, like, and it's sad because this was the first year that it wasn't on an NBC network product. Mm-hmm. It was on TNT last night. Uh, and I imagine I, I legitimately could not tell you if it was a good game or not 
despite just looking at, but I'm just based off basing this off the box score on a three to two win for Tampa. I imagine it was actually a pretty entertaining game. Yeah. I'm going to go watch. I have no idea what, if it if it actually was because I don't think I, I think the first promotion I saw for it was maybe a month and a half ago, maybe a little less. And then I think NBC sports yesterday was showing a little bit of clips for it. I'm sure they're obligated by NHL broadcasting rules to say, Hey, this is what's coming up later in the day. And they did the rink uh, building at Nissan stadium in Nashville. That's it. Like that's all I saw. So if I'm the guy that only saw that, what did anyone else that's listening to this podcast? That's not as enveloped into it as you and I are uh, and, or just as equally amount like, what, what it, we, I guarantee you not, there was not the majority of this audience that listened to the, that watched the stadium series. But, yeah. That, and, and, and then part of it too, I actually was scrolling around on Twitter and I went through and I'm like, Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot that yep. we were having one. Like I, like that's how bad it was is that I totally forgot. Like, which is crazy for guys like you and I who are on a medium where we talk hockey and this is what we do. But that's it, crazy to me how you would think that, you know, it, it, you wouldn't you wouldn't promote the hell out of that, but I I think that's more of a league wide problem right now. Oh, hundred percent. And, and, and I think that you know off season we can really delve into that a lot further what they can do with this because you know that's that was supposed to be the big concern going from NBC to ESPN and TNT more promotion. I feel like there was less of that this time around. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was a it was a thing like they just didn't know the the angle they wanted to take with it but it's it's a pretty simple product you got the net you got the winter classic on january 1st every year then you got the stadium series that again the fear we always said was you have too many of these outdoor spectacle spectacle games they're no longer spectacles they just become another game oh they're playing outside today they're playing in uh they're playing in nashville they're playing in the big house in michigan like it's not it doesn't become a spectacle or a a a Hey, we gotta watch this game because they're actually playing outside and it's a, it's cool to see and all that. Like Lake Placid, to a comparison of last year, the Lake Placid game was a little bit different because you took it at a, to a neutral site, Lake Tahoe. Those, Lake Tahoe. Or, or, sorry, I said Lake Placid. Yeah. Yeah. We just crossed the in, in the, the latest which anniversary. Was, yeah, which we should talk about for a few minutes. Uh, yeah. dude, I been up to like go ahead talk, finish but, your point there but, but the lake tahoe game like what's unique about that is it was a neutral site it's one of the most gorgeous places to see on tv uh because of the lake obviously in the mountains and all that and i thought they did a pretty good job with it the problem came when they realized oh crap the ice is melting and we don't have enough we have too much sunlight and we don't it's not cold enough so you had to push it back to the um to the night game. And then that takes away, obviously the scenery of the whole purpose of why you wanted to do it. So, and then when you realize that that failed, like that, they should have done that again, but done it a better way. And I don't, it just seems like they're trying this stadium series and it's not marketed enough. It's not good enough. And the teams are, they're good, but they're not big city names like in the Northeast or the Rangers, the Flyers, Washington, whoever it may be. Boston's obviously the one of the biggest names to play in the uh, Winter Classic. So if it's not broke, stick with the teams you know. And that's the problem. It's watered down. Like you had the Winter Classic, you know, yeah. and then you have the Stadium Series. So like the 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 idea behind this was supposed to be this unique situation where there's only one game of this per year. 
And now you're having like three or four per season and it's, it's watered down. And I, and yep. that's part of the problem is that they're looking at it as a revenue point and not as the nostalgia. Like you go back and look at the winter classics. Those are some of the best games you would ever see. Like, you know, the first one with Pittsburgh and Buffalo, that was an amazing game. And then you had the following year, I think it was Chicago and Detroit, which was outstanding. And then you had the flyers and Bruins yep. and then, and that was the only one. And then, you know, I, I can't remember 2010, 2011, but I know like 11, uh, you know, 2012, it was the Flyers Rangers in Philadelphia. Yep. Like, you know, uh, I was there for that. And it, the it, 2011 it, one might've been Pittsburgh and Washington. And it was, you're Pittsburgh. right. Correct. Correct. You're right. Pittsburgh. Cause Washington. I think it you're snowed right. too. It made it even cooler. No, it rained. It rained. Oh, it rained. Day. That's right. It that, rained. That is right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was warm. And, and that, and that and like, but that's the cool thing. Like those were big things you could, but now it's like when they started doing more of like, Okay, the one in Dodger Stadium between the Kings and the and the and the Ducks. Okay, that was cool because it was like it's a yes. warm weather climate. It's yep. unique. But when you add more of them like this and try to do it just to get teams to have it as like, oh, I thought everybody gets one, it, it kind of takes away the spectacle of it. And I think the NHL misses that point that what, what really draws people in is the spectacle of it. You yep. know what I mean? So having just a stadium series between the the lightning and the predators, well nobody really cares like let's be real no, you're right nobody cares like it's it's the problem so but like and but if you did something really cool we're like okay you talk about lake placid i you know anybody who does youth hockey or anybody who you know should really do the lake placid can-am experience that was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life lake placid is an absolutely amazing little town you get to play on the 1980 arena where uh, the where the USA won the gold medal and they beat the uh, Soviet Union in the uh, in, in the Miracle on Ice game, you know, cool. And the cool thing is, back when I coached, we won gold medal on that ice. That was really oh neat. really that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. that, yeah, it was a really cool experience, man. Just to see the kids, like you know, they didn't really realize the impact when you get old. Like yeah, we won the same. when they get older, they realize we we won a gold medal on the same ice that yeah. the Miracle on Ice happened. Like that something like it was just a spectacle, you know, man. It's awesome. I was gonna and I was gonna say like. Not to make light of a scenario that we were talking about earlier with Alexander Ovechkin and trying to handle this, I think everyone needs to watch Miracle this week. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like, we did. We did watch Miracle this week. Like, this is a week where you don't need to tell your kids what's going on. Don't tell your six-year-old. Don't tell your five-year-old, like, hey, the world's falling apart. Like, just sit them down. Say, hey, check this out. This is one of the greatest comeback stories, uh, underdog stories in the entire world yeah like it, it is it is something that was so unheard of at the time and the fact that it happened here in the united states and here against uh with a bunch of just nobody college kids that just mm-hmm. banded together uh and just the fact that it happened here you defeated what you thought it was the it was the definition of a war without a hot war correct and it and that that whole thing just really brought everyone together and it's one of those games one of those movies i think would be it'd be good to watch this week just but again don't give them context they don't need to know what's going on in ukraine they're way too young to conceptualize it right but it's very very important that you remember what uh what they had to go through and what the an underdog story can be like and just apply it to today and i think that would be a good Good thing for people to sit down with their kids and see this week. I think that that's the homework from the orange and back check crew this week. <laughs> Go watch a miracle. That's what I'm telling you. 
We watched it last week and actually good. But, it's on you, Disney Plus, I think. If yeah, you're, is, if you're a is. Disney Plus subscriber, yeah. And I tell you what, if you get a chance, go on YouTube and watch. Um, Do you believe in miracles? The documentary on it. Oh Maybe yeah, good. yeah. That is such a good one. And then I'll tell you what, ESPN Plus. They had a good one was um of miracles and men. Yes, the Russian standpoint. I was gonna say for the adults in the room that yep. don't have kids, get the other side perspective and get yeah. because you get a little bit of what happened after the lockout or Correct. excuse me after the game, yep. uh, and how they came into the NHL. Obviously, the Detroit Red Wings and establishing mm -hmm. that empire and dynasty. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I forget. Did they go into the '97 final with Flyers? I don't think they did at that. I think they stopped well short of that in the of, of Miracles and Men. I yeah, think, well short of that. I, I think, think it they stopped. Okay, when Slava Fetisov went to the Devils. Okay, right, right. I right, think that's right. when I really that really focused on on that. So okay, um, so maybe I so I so they didn't touch on the D Detroit. I thought they did. Yeah, but I mean, they, it, it laid the groundwork for it for sure. Right, that's what it, yeah. Fedorov, right. Vladimir Konstantinov, Slava Fetisov. Yep. You know, a lot of those guys were, you know, they were a big Russian machine. Then I, I'll say this too, like, as a side note, you know what really cool, the, if you want to go to spectacle, the NHL should bring back for one season the North America versus the World All-Star format and do it in Lake Placid. Yeah. And do it in Lake Placid. That, oh, would, that be would be cool. incredible. Because you could sell those tickets for like a grand a pop and it would sell out. Like, yeah. dude, in a heartbeat. And people, and people would go to that, like. See, I, I experience that. See, the one thing I do think is cool about All Star Weekend is the division versus division three v three game. Like that's one thing that I think. But you're right. Like the the I do remember back in the day when they did the USA versus the World format yeah. for the USA or for, for the East West. Uh, I guess that was that was probably. They probably switched to East West after the so second lockout, it, right? It was it was East West in the nineties. Then in the early two thousands, they switched to North America versus the world, and then they went okay. back to East West afterwards. And then recently, I want to say the last five six years, they went back to the divisional format. Yeah, it's been this the divisional thing that I think yeah. has worked out for them. I think of all the crap uh, All Star weekends that are in the four major sports, the NHL gets it right. I mean. That that's what's, but yeah, I think that would we just did what the forty second anniversary of uh, uh yes nineteen eighties. Yeah. Yep. So I would just I would plan it for the forty fifth. Yeah, fiftieth. Like, yeah, well, no, you want to get it or you want to get it as I it, because this is fresh in our minds. I would want to just get it out there as soon as possible. Yeah. Do it the forty fifth. Then you do go back to the division for the forty sixth, forty seventh, forty eighth, forty ninth. Just do it at every staple. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. do it at every staple uh, land uh, anniversary, 45th, 50th, 55th, 60th, and go and just go on from there. Yeah, like, that's I, an easy marketable thing. Right. You're making a trek to like kind of like like everyone knows that the, the Toronto's where the NHL Hall of Fame is, but you could make your own here and make like Placid this like staple sort of like Cooper uh, Cooperstown for baseball. Right. Cause it's right. in upstate New York. No one else goes to upstate New York other than for skiing in the, in the winter. And then in the summer, you're going to Cooperstown like yeah. that. That's really what you could do and make it a, a marketable thing for Lake Placid. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Wow. I think that's actually something really cool that that could, they could do and, you know, make it work. And it, it's, it, it would be something. It would be the spectacle that people would be like, I have to go see that. Yep. And that's what they get league there. When you water down a stadium series, where it's Nashville versus Tampa Bay, just people from Nashville and Tampa Bay are going to say, you want to make this a national spectacle and be like, I have to be there for that game. Yep. I have to go to that game. Like, I have to see that in person. Or I have to sit there at home and I have to watch that game. I can't miss that. And honestly, and honestly, other than in addition to the, the, the stadium series stuff, like stick with the teams that you know will draw in a crowd. 
I, I get that you don't you, you want to pr- try and force the Nashvilles, the Columbuses, the Floridas that are good, decent teams into this spotlight on national television. The problem is, you know, it's not going to be there. You know, you're just going to get the local crowd. Boston, New York, Detroit. You pick a West Coast team, try and get Edmonton in there. But they like obviously given that they have the best player top two best players on the planet uh, in, in on their team, Philadelphia, when they're good, like stick with those teams. Cause you know that they will get the crowd into it. Right. Like I get that you want to don't want to discriminate quote unquote uh, against uh, uh, the lower tier teams, but you have to put the money where it is. And the money is in the Northeast, the, the central uh, the, or the parts of the Midwest. And then a couple of game teams here and there in Canada with Montreal, Toronto, like you could just plug and play any of the Canadian teams and you'll win. Right. Like that's, that's really how it comes down to it. But I, I don't know. Completely. I agree completely. I, I absolutely agree. I think that's would be the best way. And, and don't do it every year and do it every couple of years, make it a spectacle. Yep. If you're going to do the winter classic, keep it at the winter classic. Don't do a stadium series every couple of years. Do it as a spectacle. Don't do it as just, Oh, it's going to happen. This, all this stuff. It's a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of revenue being used and it's not enough of a draw, especially on the uh, TV side. And I think that that's something that's going to be problematic. It could be problematic down the line. If they're not, you know, getting the advertisers that they want to have for that without enough, with enough eyeballs in front of it. So, yeah. yep. Yeah. Uh, before, before we wrap, there were a couple of reports, one by our friend Anthony Sanfilippo of Crossing Broad with when it comes to uh, Rasmussen Ristolainen. Uh, a couple of trade rumors are, are out there already outside of Claude Giroux. We obviously know what's going on with him. Uh, we're really just waiting for him to move his no-move clause, and then kind of just that gets the fire going on what happens there. Uh, reportedly by Anthony Sanfilippo, the Flyers offered Ristolainen a six-year deal around $38 million, around 6.3, 6.6 uh, annual uh, annual contract uh, cap hit. And he turned it down. He's tired of losing, being on a losing team. Obviously, he came from Buffalo, and now he's in Philadelphia. He was promised, a, not promised, but he, was, he, was, he thought he was being sold a bill of goods on the Flyers that they were being be a playoff team then injuries happen then everything rotten that you could think of came to light and he's not going to the playoffs this year like it's simple as that and you saw it a little bit yesterday I mean he was laying the body I think he had another eight or nine hit game if I'm not mistaken which is a a, again a, a season high or tied a season high for him I don't blame him for turning down these deals I also think the Flyers are uh, quietly lucky that he turned down that deal because that's a lot of money for a guy that I'm not completely sold on uh, in Rasmussen and Ristolainen. Well, listen, he's he's not – it's not like he's an older guy. He's 27 years old, so mm-hmm. – and he's got some size to him, which is hard to find in the league. He's got some weight. He's 215. Um, I, I, I don't he's making right around that money now. So it's not much of a mod. It's much of an increase for him. So it's not like they can't afford it. I, I would try to resign him. I, I think that having a guy in that would be – valuable in a playoff series um and throughout the season as well <clears throat> my concern is is that if he if he feels that way you've got to find a way to re recapture your number three or four i mean because you need someone to play with sandheim you really need that yep. and you got wrist in line to think it could be a long-term thing i'm not sure i would really push to really try to resign him and really show him what the plan is for next season i understand from his perspective if he's sick of losing and he feels his value would be out in a playoff series but I mean, you've got to find a way to recoup that first round pick, first of all, if you're going to flip him. And secondly, 
you're going to need to find a way to replace that. And I know they've been talking about Jeff Petrie. He's been on the Flyers' radar, but you're, that's a seven-year difference in player right there and a lot of different yep. skill set there. Listen, that Jeff Petrie's a good defenseman, but also, I mean, see, you know, he's 6'3", he's still got some size to him, but he's 34 years old. So, I mean, I'd be a little concerned about that also around that time. So, um, hey, hey, listen, if you have to trade Ritz line, you have to trade him. Understand I would look, to be honest with you, if a guy like Tyler Myers is being shot by Vancouver, 6'8". Listen, Tyler Myers, he's, he's, not, he's not like a premier player like he was when he first came out, but he's got a lot of size. He's still got some weight to him, and I think that they're looking for size like that, a little bit of nastiness. Um, that's something that could be that could be. Yeah, and replaced. Fletcher has said as much. Yeah, Fletcher yeah. has said as much. That's why he brought in Ristolainen and Ryan Ellis before he got hurt, obviously. Uh, and it's like, just you need size in this league. Yeah, you need speed. You need speed and size. You need both of them, and they're very hard to come by. That's for sure. Right. Exactly. And I think that they need to figure out a plan of what's going to happen there, and we'll wait and see. Hopefully, it's like a last second thing, like Scott Long last season. They do resign him because I tell you what, this team's better with Rasmus Ristolainen than they are without. He's improved a lot this season. Yeah, I was going to say he's definitely proved me wrong. Like I didn't, I wasn't completely sold on what this deal was going to be uh, when they made the trade for him. But I mean. If if the team was fully healthy, they're probably Rasmus is probably signing yesterday, re-signing yeah. yesterday. Oh yeah, absolutely, signing here long term, and uh, you know I I think that that's important for this team to figure out a solution to quicker rather than later because they need to find a way to not further deplete their defensive situation even even worse. And so would you? It, it, we're talking about two Montreal defensemen in 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 Tyler Myers. And, and and Jeff Petrie, like, would, do you have a preference on which one you would go with, or uh, if if the obviously you have to trade for both of them? That's the yeah, thing. yeah. I, I have to look at the numbers a little deeper, but to be honest, but may I? I I've been looking at the, the size factor. Look, Jeff Petrie's a decent sized player, six three, and he's been very consistent for quite a few years, and I think he could be some veteran leadership. Um, but looking at a six foot eight player, tallest player in the league on your back end, I think that that's something that could be very helpful. And a guy where Tyler Myers can play on the power play too. Um, Petrie, I believe, has played on the power play, he does have some offensive a big ability. I'd be fine with either. I'm just saying is that Tyler Myers, if you're looking for a size factor, is definitely a, a, a way to go over that. Um, but I would be okay with Jeff Petrie just. Not as a long-term thing. He is 34 years old, and he's been around for a while. So he's got a lot of miles on him. I, you don't want to have the situation where you're constantly trying to replace partners to go with Sandheim um, when you're second pairing. So the, the better and the sooner they can lock up their defensive core and keep it around for a while, I think that's really most important because, you know, that's been very – people don't realize that it's been very consistent with the Flyers for years defensive core, and the last time it was really solid was those years between – like 07 through the Stanley Cup final run and really started to fall apart when they lost Matt Carl and lost that really that top four pairing that they really had. So that's what they need to solidify and then go from there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they have four games left on this homestand. Edmonton comes to town on Tuesday or Monday, Monday or Tuesday. I think it was one of them. Uh, they play, they play Edmonton on Monday, Monday. And then, and then on, um, let's see, on Wednesday, they play the wild and then the Blackhawks next weekend. Sweet. Oh no, Edmonton's Tuesday. I'm sorry. Edmonton is Tuesday. Oh, sorry. Yes, Tuesday, Tuesday, and Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday. Correct. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about them going against one of the best, one of the best player on the ice, and one of the best players on the ice in Drysaitel and and Ristol, or I almost said Ristolainen. Wow. Uh, and Connor McDavid. I mean, come on. 
They, I mean, they, listen, they, they, they did beat them in Edmonton. They did. In November before everything went to hell. When they were healthier. Edmonton's been up and down. They just fired their coach. They just brought in a new coach. They got rid of Dave Tippett. They brought in a different coach. Uh, they have not been playing up and down. I always have concerns about the back end of Edmonton. Their defense is a little suspect. Their goaltending is suspect. You know, you might get them on a good night. You might get them on a bad night. But yet again, when you're going against uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, it's never going to be an easy game. Does Martin uh, Jones play? Or is it still Carter Hart? Because you're I trying to shop Carter. Martin Jones. Yeah, I think. But Carter I think Carter Hart's fine. I think you need Carter Hart in that game. If you're going to play, if you're going to play Martin Jones against the Wild or the Blackhawks, yep. that's what you would do there. So and and, and credit to Carter. I mean, you come back from an eye infection, which can be scary. I mean, Bernie Perron obviously had the eye injury back in the day, and that's why he went out for the his career was cut short. Uh, so it's always scary when you hear an eye infection, whether it be something minor like he, what he did or what Bernie Perron dealt with. He looks sharp. He made a, a, an incredible glove save it, during the game yesterday uh, against Washington. So it's good that he's able to, again, he's the, and and we got a troll tweet the other day on o, at Obachik about how he doesn't steal a game. I'm going to classify yesterday as a stolen game because he made some incredible saves uh, to win that game against Washington yesterday. F that yeah. guy that told us that <laughs> Carter Hart's not elite and can't, yeah. uh, or uh, maybe he's right about not being elite yet, but he is a he's solid goalie yet. and he's the goalie of the future for this team right now. And he stole that game yesterday. So F that guy that told us that he wasn't uh, able to steal games. He's been stealing games all this season, honestly. Yes, he's for his stat line is ridiculous considering how poor the team has played. His stat line is where he's he's but, he's it, it for for a team that has a putrid uh, record like the Flyers do. Um, his save percentage is well over uh, nine hundred, which is absolutely huge. So um, I think that's a people people don't see that, and it's huge because like, what's the save percentage? Nine eleven. I was going to say it's got to be nine eleven. Yeah, it's nine eleven. Now compared to Martin Jones, who has an eight ninety eight on the same team. So yep. yeah, exactly. I, I, that's, yeah. that's a really good stat line. We, we were talking about last season nine twenty. If this season, this team were good, it'd be well over nine. Yep. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for episode 106 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Uh, we're hoping to be at the game on Tuesday and Saturday this week. Uh, Edmonton and Chicago, that's our our plan. Um, we'll see what happens. That is a 7 o'clock and a 3 o'clock start on Saturday against Chicago. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to us at Backcheck at Radio Bill 1210, at S-K-A-T-A-H. Uh, on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. Uh, so you get all the schedule for our Twitter space pregame show on Orange and Backcheck. Uh, get every sub- subscription in the links below. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Oh, was I supposed to say something? I don't have anything this week. <laughs>